The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is going on? It is the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast coming at you on a Saturday afternoon. The two best words in sports. Game seven. That is, of course, unless you are a fan of one of the two teams. And, of course, here on the Hoop Ball Clippers podcast, we are a fan of the Los Angeles Clippers. We live and die by the Los Angeles Clippers. And no better person to have on this show that's going to be a little bit shorter than normal because we have such a tight turnaround, so stupid, the NBA, before Game 7 to bring on Justin Wilson. L.A. Clippers film. Justin, how are we feeling at this moment, man? Because I feel like I have gone through about 10 different cycles in the washing machine where I've been thrown out and then I'm like, all right, cool, we're done, we're dry, we're dry. I'm like, nope, you're going, you're, you're still going again. It's like, dude, I, I think I need a new heart after this. It has been a ridiculous last couple of weeks. How are you feeling, though? Um, I'm feeling, I'm feeling well. I'm feeling well. Um, a lot better after last night. Um, as you said, it's been like an emotional roller coaster. They've basically been playing. They basically played two straight elimination games in game three, game four. Then they played another elimination game in game six, and then they'll play another one tomorrow. So um, it's been, you know, normally in seven game series, it's been, it's normally tight, but with the Clippers dropping the first two games of the series, it's kind of made, um, the games mean so much more on the Clipper side. So um, it's been an adventure for sure. I don't know where to start because we'll obviously touch on game six and then we'll do a lot more previewing of game seven. Normally this is a pod that kind of recaps what we have been through, but we'll do as short of a recap as Justin and I can do, which normally is not very short. And then we'll look ahead to game seven because this is why you're listening. You know that a game seven is either happening on the day you are listening, or it is happening tomorrow if you're able to listen later on tonight as we record this at about 4 o'clock p.m., and we'll get this hopefully out to you in a couple of hours. Um, I, I want to start with last night, though, and what we saw from Kawhi Leonard. Normally when we come on this show, Justin, we're normally talking about Reggie Jackson, we're talking about Nicholas Batum, we're talking about Zoo. We never really touch on the two guys, and at the end of the pod that we did last weekend, I said, all right, we got to give some props to PG and Kawhi and what they have done. But we're going to start this one off with Kawhi because as bad as he was in game five and in the first quarter of game six is as good as he was the rest of the way for him to be given the praise that he has been thrown throughout his entire playoff career after obviously what he did with Toronto and just how he has been one of the best players in the NBA to actually live up to that and put a team on his back was frankly just a blast to watch Justin. And he was incredible. Um, There's no other way to describe it in that fourth quarter, the Clippers needed to get a bucket. And I said, it needed to be somebody besides Kawhi. It turned out that it just really needed to be Kawhi. When you were watching him last night, I know you have that huge ass picture of the tweet that says Kawhi Leonard has signed the Los Angeles Clippers. I mean, that is why the Clippers signed him, right? For a game like that. Yeah, I mean, that was like 
that was the epitome of having one of the top three or four superstar level wings in the NBA doing what they do when all the chips are down, when it matters most. And, you know, for what I was thinking about when I was watching it was that um, throughout Lob City and to this point, we've watched like Kevin Durant have these big playoff moments. We've watched LeBron have these like big playoff moments. And, you know, we just have never been fortunate enough to have a wing in like one of those type of guys to have those moments. So it was kind of, it was kind of fun to see that happen, but for us to be on the right side of that, you know? So um, for me, that was kind of fun to just see. Um, I know for a lot of Clipper fans and myself included, it was like kind of kind of anxiety inducing. But at the same time, you know, I tweeted it beforehand that like this is fun, right? This is fun. This is good. This is all kind of par for the course for playoff basketball. And, um, you know, if Kawhi Leonard, who if, if Kawhi Leonard is who we think he is, he'll have a bounce back um, game that doesn't necessarily mean he needed to score 45 or 50 but it meant that you know he was playing having a really good game and you know it was just so happens that he had 45 or 50 but um yeah he just had a great bounce back performance um i'm being long-winded here i'm sorry but um you know, it's kind of like Luka Doncic had a bad game four. He rebounded in game five. I think some people forget that, like, these guys are human. And, like, just because they are elite superstars doesn't mean they're not going to have a bad game or two. Um, and I think that happens with Kawhi Leonard a lot. Um, but it was fun to see him have one of those good ones, all-time Clipper performance last night. In game five, Kawhi was 7 of 19 from the field, and he had five turnovers and you can make the argument that at least three of those were horrendous and ended up leading to baskets on the other end. So to bounce back and go 17 of 22 in the final three quarters after starting one for three and finish 18 of 25, and I think the big number is five threes. He was just one of seven from deep in game five. And, I mean, he had four turnovers, so they still had turnovers. But when the guy has the ball that often, it, it's probably going to happen. You still would like him to cut that down a little bit, but for him to do what he did was frankly miraculous, and the Clippers need it in the worst way. They need every single bucket. It For Clippers fans, they've been watching Luka have these unbelievable games, and you know what? Finally, it was our turn. It was our turn to have the player that took over that they couldn't stop, and I think Dallas did a really poor job on him in the fourth quarter because when a guy gets that hot, you want to get the ball out of his hands. And the Clippers did not have anybody that would scare you in the fourth quarter. I mean, PG was fine. Reggie Jackson had a huge first quarter. But apart from that, nobody else did much for that team. So you need to get the ball out of his hands. They didn't. I think it's the one adjustment, Justin, that Carlisle has left is to do whatever he can to get the ball out of Kawhi's hands and make Marcus Morris, make Nicholas Batum, make Reggie Jackson be the guys that beat you. You got to assume that's what we see in game seven, right? Maybe, maybe. Um, Why maybe? You know, because they're playing with fire if they do that, because 
they are an elite three-point shooting team, and they've been getting tapped on some wide-open looks. And, like, you know, maybe they do do that, and they adjust if the Clippers start making threes. But I don't know if that would be the way to go if I was Dallas. Um, the Clippers only scored 104 points last night. Um, in my opinion, that wasn't the problem for Dallas. Um, they started in a zone early, and I honestly... I, I would be happy with 104, holding an elite offense like the Clippers to 104 points. And I think they held the Clippers to, um, I forgot what, how many points the Clippers scored in game five, but it wasn't all that high either. Um, the Dallas Mavericks issue is that they can't score against the Clippers. Yeah. And so if I'm Dallas, the first thing that I'm looking for from an adjustment perspective is not scoring 97 points in 48 minutes and not scoring like 13 points in the fourth quarter or just or something wild like that I think at one point they're like three for like 18 in the fourth quarter and so well and and nobody's by the way one thing I'm cutting you off for a second the one thing that's not being talked mm -hmm. about in the national media is how fucking bad Luka Doncic has been in the fourth quarter I mean and So, uh, uh, pardon my French, and, and I, I, I drop it out. I, I love pull. it, though. I love it. But it, it's, I'm so tired of the Clippers being dragged through the mud time and time again. And it's just one of those things where Luka Doncic is receiving all of this praise, but nobody's talking about how bad he has been in the fourth quarter. And so I, I just wanted you, to throw that out there, that he has been god-awful. And I think I saw a stat that he's shooting 22% or something in the fourth quarter in this series. So just continue. I mean, he's been awful in a fourth quarter, and that's actually another adjustment that probably is the one of the bigger red flags than, like, doubling Kawhi Leonard. Like, it's almost like how I feel about how we've treated Luka Doncic, right? Like, yeah, it feels bad when uh, an opposing player scores 40 or 45 points, but, like, there's only so much you can do with a Luka Doncic or a Kawhi Leonard when they're making contested threes. Um, the best thing you can do is to make sure that your offense is in order. So often, I think I even said it on a pod last week, um, your best defense is your offense. Yep, you did. And when you when you score 97 points, you have a huge issue that goes way farther than like trying to stop Kawhi Leonard. You cannot stop Kawhi Leonard. And if you throw two at Luka Doncic, if you throw two guys at Kawhi Leonard, you start leaving Tim Hardaway Jr. open. You start leaving Marcus Morris open. You start leaving Nicholas Batum open. And so I think, you know, Dallas will come out in the zone again like they've done the last couple of games. And they'll go from there. But if I'm Dallas, your best bet is to make sure that your offense is in order. Because if you just look at the second half of this series, their offense is kind of starting to fall off of a cliff. Yeah. Like they scored, I think, 81 in game four. Um, I think they scored barely over 100 in game five. Yep. They didn't break 100 in game six. And think about it like this. In game one, they scored 113. In game two, they scored 127. So as the series has gone on, they have not been able to score it. And that's because the Clippers defense has really turned up a notch ever since they went to, to small ball with Marcus Morris at the center, who, by the way, had a fantastic defensive game last night. But 
yeah, the Clippers defense has ratcheted up a bit and Dallas has not been able to score unless they are unsustainably hot from the three point line. And that's kind of why I feel that's kind of why I felt optimistic going into game six. And that's why I feel even more optimistic going into game seven. You know, what's interesting, though, and you say how good the Clippers defense has been. But if you're on Twitter during the game, which you are, and you're one of the people along with guys, I'm not actually you're not. Yes, I you mean, are. You get I mean, out of I here. Tweet. I tweet, but I don't yeah. read my time. Yeah, 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 for sure. No, but but where I'm getting at is that guys like you, Shane Young, you guys are tweeting about the defense and how a guy like Reggie Jackson is leaving his man to double and leaving an open shooter. So what I'm saying is how good the defense has been good, but it seems like it could be even better if yeah, the Clippers absolutely. if the Clippers actually stayed with their man and stayed absolutely. home and didn't go double like uh, there were times by the way last night and, and it's interesting the, the one thing that I love doing I love following guys like you on Twitter because you point something out that I may not notice and so Reggie Jackson is someone that I was then looking at um, later on in the game the Clippers got lucky there were times where Reggie Jackson was in no man's land. And yeah. he, he had no idea who he was defending. He had no idea where he was. And they either A, wouldn't find his man, or B, his man missed. And so the Clippers got off the hook there. Um, there go ahead. No, I was saying, to your point, there's a play where um, I think we go up four, and Dallas calls a timeout. They come back in, and like Kawhi Leonard is guarding Luka. I mean, and then they get the switch with Reggie. Luca gets off the ball, and like they completely botch it. And then Luca Doncic buries an open three. And so I think, on the whole, the Clippers' defense hasn't been—it um, hasn't been nearly as bad as people think in this series. Um, it's just been a ton of great shot making from the Dallas Mavericks. But with that being said. Um, there's so much low-hanging fruit to pick off, and I think last night was one of the first times that I felt like we were really locked in, really competent. And even last night, despite being incredibly competent and locked in, there were just still moments that were just flat-out befuddling. If the game plan is to try and make Luka into a score and make sure we keep a body in front of him and keep the role players in check, we, we're coming off of Tim Hardaway Jr.'s body way too much. We're coming off of Max Kleber's body way too much and um you know that's just something that like we've got one more time to get that right and tomorrow um we'll we'll have to get lucky again if we don't clean up our act on that end of the floor so I think the frustrating thing with this series is that every single game the Clippers have had a chance to win and yeah I, I think that's the most frustrating part about this is that there's no reason this should be seven games I mean, Dallas was red hot. And listen, they're going to have games where they're red hot. So, fine. But the Clippers did not shoot well in certain games. I mean, if you would have lost last night, I mean, Marcus Morris won for 10 from the field. He was 0 for 3 from 3. He and Kennard and Batum were missing shots that they made Oof. all season long. And they're just missing shots that they – it's like, what's going on here? And then you have the defensive um, just mishaps where you're leaving your guys open. I think well, that, that's the frustrating part about this series is that the Clippers, there's a lot of, hey, like you and I were talking after the first couple of games. You're like, well, listen, if they make their open shots, if Dallas cools down, they'll be fine. But I feel like we're now running out of time where it's you can't say if this happened, if this happened, if that, that happened. It's like – you're in a series, and I think that's a frustrating thing, is that the Clippers have been the better team the entire series. It's just that they're just doing little things, 
like have a three-minute stretch where PG gets in foul trouble in game five and they fall apart. I mean, last night, if it wasn't for PG and the three-minute stretch that he had with Kawhi sitting on the bench, the Clippers don't win that game. And it's little things in the playoffs. The Clippers just seem like every year, the little things are what sends them home. And you're hoping that in game seven, it can come together just enough to get the win. Yeah, I mean, the playoffs are all always about the details. I think yeah. Kawhi said that about um, afterwards, after last night, going into game seven, you know, paying attention to detail, game plan, discipline. Um, those things are critical. Um, but this series is the way it is right now. It's uncomfortable to say, but this series is like the way it is because the first two games of the series, Dallas literally shot historically great from three. Um, that's honestly just bad luck because even if the Clippers weren't playing fantastic defense, they weren't playing horrible defense. And yet you saw like Tim Hardaway Jr. at one point in the series shooting 65% from three while Nicholas Batum can't make an open three last night. You know what I mean? So like, um, I honestly, this is going to sound weird, but I honestly credit the Clippers for actually bringing the series to a seventh game because this series should be over. Because yeah. if you shoot as well as Dallas has shot the ball from three, you should probably win this series in five or six games. And so the fact that the Clippers are finding a way to win games on the road when they can't make a shot speaks volumes. And it also speaks to the talent advantage that the Clippers have and the margin for error that they have. Otherwise, this series would be um, over. But I was talking to a friend the other day. Um, the difference is that the difference in this series is that the Clippers have a grand margin for error to work with. Yeah. Dallas doesn't. Yeah. However, because Dallas doesn't have a margin for error during this series, they've made up for it by shooting the ball just incredibly well. They, they're shooting the ball better than you could have even predicted or expected going into a series. Like, it, it's honestly, it's honestly incredible. And they are due for a bad shooting night at Staples. And they've been, by the way, they have tapered off a little bit um, at home, but they've shot very well at Staples, to your point. I mean, Luke, yeah, it's, Luke it's has been unbe Luke has been unbelievable at Staples Center, but Dallas's role players have absolutely cooled off in the last like three or four games. So that's they, that's one thing that needs to be recognized. Like, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. was four of 11 from three last night. So even he, who was as good, I mean, he had 23 points, but he is starting to cool off a little bit. Dorian Finney-Smith was three of seven from deep. Luca was two for nine. Kleba was 0 for one. Dwight Powell, who was great in game five, somehow only played seven minutes um, in the game last night, which didn't make sense at all. And he didn't take a shot. So slowly but surely, um, the mm -hmm. role players are starting to cool down. And for the Clippers, their role players aren't doing a whole lot either. Their bench <laughs> got one field goal last night, and that was Luke Kennard's floater. I mean, that's it. That's, that's the only shot the Clippers bench made. Marcus Morris was one for 10. I want to quickly touch on Marcus Morris and PG, and then I want to talk about tomorrow's game. Um, Marcus Morris, one for 10. Really bad shooting night. The, there was a point where I said, I've seen enough of him. I don't want him on the floor. But you thought his defense was great. What did he do? Uh, this, this may have been... The, it's definitely the best defensive performance from Marcus Morris 
this season. Um, and it may have been the best defensive performance of his entire Clipper tenure. I mean, when you needed it most, he was actually playing like a real center. Like he was playing our small ball center, but he was battling Boban and he was tipping the ball out. Um, and he was staying in front of Luka Doncic on several possessions. He was key in keeping Luka Doncic in check for most of the game. And so that has value. And so often with Marcus, um, you just don't know how valuable he can be if he's not making shots. And I thought last night was one of the first times where you saw how good he could be, even if he's not making shots. That defensive versatility that you wanted out of Marcus Morris kind of showed itself last night in a way that saved our season in a lot of ways. Because while Kawhi Leonard um, did a marvelous job defensively on Luka, when you're setting, when he's getting a screen and he's getting switched off with Marcus, Marcus Morris needed to be up for the challenge, and he was fantastic. There was there were quite a few moments where individually, one on one against Luca or against Tim Hardaway Jr., he was able to contain and keep the ball in front of him without fouling. And so that that to me was just incredibly impressive. But you know, to your point, hopefully we can get some points from our role guys because 90 out of the 104 points scored yesterday was done by three people, yeah. Reggie Jackson, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. 90 out of 104 came from just those three. So, um, you know, maybe we need one more, one more game of those three carrying the heavy burden or maybe we get a game where Luke Kennard makes a three or two or maybe Marcus Morris finally gets going from three um he's ran a little hot and cold this series so um we'll we'll see we'll see hopefully we can get some role players to bounce back but um he had marcus had a bad bad shooting night but he played well though he played he played well and he was competent and that 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 means a lot because being able to hold dallas under 100 speaks volumes to our defense and marcus was a big part of that yeah i think the clippers are going to need at least four guys in double figures and maybe even five to win the game tomorrow um i think that'll be necessary and like you said i mean marcus morris you're not shooting well but at least you are not letting it affect your defense and he was really good and i mean i want to give props to reggie jackson Without his first quarter, the Clippers lose that game last night. So um, he was huge. I mean, I, there have been people that have been calling for him to sit. Who the hell thought that Reggie Jackson would play 38 minutes in an elimination game um, when we were at the starting this? I mean, when we were starting this season, it's nuts. It's it's unbelievable that we are at that point where Pat Beverly's not playing DNPCD and Reggie Jackson's getting 38 minutes. And it, it this series, man, it throws curveballs at you. Zoo played five minutes last night. Rondo, who you and I wanted to see play 25 to 30 minutes, only played 10. And guess what? And guess what? It was deserved because Rondo has been absolute trash the last two games. <laughs> I mean, he 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 was so bad in game five. I mean, he was yeah. dreadful. And then he was awful last night. And so he, he deservedly, he needed to sit. Um, Luke Kennard finally got minutes. What are your thoughts going into game seven? First on the roll, guys, and then we'll talk about game seven at large. What are you thinking in terms of the Rondo, Man, Zoo, Kennard? Who are we going to see? How many minutes? It really feels like it's going to be just a game feel type of thing, and it's going to be hard to guess who's going to play and how many minutes they're going to play. Well, as Ty kind of showed last night by throwing Luke Kennard into the game, um, a lot of the minute allocation is going to be determined by who's making shots and who's not. So 
do we see Reggie Jackson at how many minutes did he play last night? 38. I, mean, I think he was what? 35, 36, or 38. 38? Yeah. Good Lord have mercy. That's, yeah. that's, in, that's, that's incredible. Um, in, in, in a lot of ways, that's both good and like kind of worrisome, but that's a conversation for another time. Regardless, you know, he, he was shooting like six, he, I think he made his first six shots or something yeah. like that. And he had it going as a scorer um, last night. And that kind of fueled why he needed to stay on the floor. So if he's not making shots, um, maybe we, we see more Terrence. Maybe we see more Luke. Um, it's it's kind of like a, a situation where Ty is just looking for guys to make shots. And depending on who's making shots and who's having a good feel for what's going on, um, we'll see. Um, but I could see him leaning um, Reggie Jackson big, big minutes again. And I can I could very easily see the minute distribution looking very similar to what it did in game six. In all honesty, yeah. um, we're going to lean a lot in Reggie Jackson's way for better or worse. We're going to lean on Kawhi and PG a lot. We're going to lean on um, Nicholas Batum a lot. And we're going to lean on Marcus Morris a lot. And if those guys it, like if our starters are going to play heavy minutes, then there's just there's just no way to get. Um, other guys on the floor for any feasible um, amount of like serious minutes, unless somebody gets in foul trouble, unless somebody isn't making shots, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But um, I, I, if I think Ty kind of showed his hand last night in game six with everything on the wall, um, these are the guys that he wants to play 38, 40 minutes. And um, it's winner go home in game seven, just like it was in game six. So, I don't see why he would deviate from what he did last night um, unless unless somebody gets in foul trouble or something. So I think I think you're going to look at it. It's roughly the same, but that's kind of the nature of playoff basketball. If we're fortunate enough to win on Sunday tomorrow, then um, I guarantee you that the rotation will look a bit different on Tuesday when we have to play like Rudy Gobert and stuff like that. So it's just about being flexible, being malleable and um, being able to adapt when you need to most and Ty is proven to be able to do that oh for sure I mean Zoo's I bet you Zoo starts if the if the Clippers beat uh Utah I, bet, I think Zoo starts I think you'll see Pat Beverly in that series so I, I think things will look different you just have to figure out which guys work in a series and these are the guys yep. that work I mean Batum played 37 minutes Jackson 38 42 apiece for Kawhi and Marcus and a shout out to PG for playing the entire second half and playing 46 minutes I mean as much shit as this guy gets to go 46 minutes, I mean, he didn't shoot great. 6 of 15, 2 of 7 from 3, 6 of 10 from the free throw line. He needs to be better, obviously, shooting the basketball in all facets. But to get three blocks, 13 huge rebounds, rebounds in traffic. Yeah, I mean, just monstrous. And Canard, um, by the way, it was a no-brainer with that zone defense to spread the floor, just the presence of Luke Canard. And it, if he, they're going to cheat off of him and he's going to get the shots, I want him taking them because yes. those are shots that – Two of them went in and out. So those are mm -hmm. shots that are going to go down at some point, and you hope it's, yep. it's in game seven. Um, I would love for Luke to get his moment because I've heard enough of the $64 million stuff because, A, $64 million doesn't start till next year. B, we know it sucks. So, I mean, forget about it. Um, game seven. You and I both obviously think that the Clippers are going to win. Um, I think the Clippers are the better team. And it's finally going to be a curse that the home team, I think, finally does win. What needs to happen in game seven? Because I think that there are a couple keys. I think the first one is the Clippers can't go down big early. 
it's a no-brainer, but I think they need to have a good first quarter because they have not had great first quarters in this series. I think the first quarter is going to be important. It'll set the tone. My biggest fear is that Reggie Jackson will shoot like 2 of 12 tomorrow, and that is absolutely my biggest fear. I hope it doesn't happen, but the first quarter will tell us a lot. So I think you need to have a good first quarter, and I think you need to limit your turnovers. There are too many, mm-hmm. too many turnovers that are there, there's there's a coach that I used to that I, I always always talk to, Deidre Taylor, who's the coach at Cal State Fullerton, and he taught me this. And you you might think, what the hell? How did John know this before? He's he's like live ball turnovers are the worst thing you could possibly have. He's like, I don't care if you throw the ball away and it goes out of bounds. Fine. That's not a huge deal. We can set up our defense. But live ball turnovers where Kawhi gets stuck in the air and he throws it away and Dallas can break, those are the worst things, and they keep happening with he and PG. So I think you need to limit your turnovers. I think those are the two biggest things, and I think you need to have one of Batum and Marcus Morris get into double figures. I think those guys need to shoot, and they need to shoot the ball well. So those are my three keys. What are you looking at tomorrow? Um, I'm, I'm in agreement with you in that I do think the Clippers will win. Um, first things first, it's been, it's a quick turnaround. Um, so part of what you said, which was getting off on the right foot in that first quarter is going to be key. That's one of my first keys. And that's something I'll be watching for with a quick turnaround. Can they come out with the same level of defensive intensity that they did in Dallas? Um, if they do, I, I, I think, um, things bode well for them because their defense, their defense in this series has been fantastic as the series has gone on. And if they can keep that defense up, they'll have a chance to win regardless. And honestly, that's, that's saying a lot. Like if, if you go into any game having a real legitimate chance at winning, then that's a blessing. And so their defense guarantees them that the next thing I'm looking at is obviously making shots, man. At home this series, they're shooting 34% from the three-point line. That's just abysmal, especially considering um, how well they shot the ball in the regular season. So, I mean, we are overdue for one of those 20 for 38 three-point nights where we shoot over 50% from three and just shoot Dallas out the gym. Um, We are overdue for a really good shooting night. Dallas is going to open up in zone again. I'm assuming they are just begging for the Clippers to have an outlier of a shooting night. And so I'm hoping it comes tomorrow. So how they start, how they shoot are the things that I'm looking for the most. And the last thing I'm looking for is like what you said, these turnovers, the live ball turnovers, they're not turning the ball over a ton, but the turnovers that they do have, are just flat out like just awful. I think um I can think of like last night Paul George threw the ball to Luka Doncic, like literally threw it to him like a chess pass, yeah. which was just flat out bizarre. And then there was another one late in the fourth quarter. We come out of a timeout, Paul George is taking the ball out and he just throws the ball away. And so our turnovers haven't been high in volume, but they've been incredibly stupid like just stupid and so um we got to clean that up so turnovers how we start and how we shoot um are the three things that i'm looking at um going into tomorrow but i think i think tomorrow will be good i just can't imagine the clippers losing four times in seven games on their home floor it is worth bringing up to add to you and i discussing the good start and how important that is the Clippers do not fare well in the 1230 Pacific time starts. So 
Um, number one, brutal by the NBA. Brutal by the NBA to schedule a Friday night game and then a Sunday 12.30 tip. I mean, to have 40 hours between the end of game six and the start of game seven is begging for an injury to happen. Just stupid by the NBA to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Clippers have not been good in these 12-30 games, and a lot of it has to do with the start. And if you start well, you can throw that 12-30 stuff out the window. If you start poorly, you put yourself into a really bad position where your back is going to be up against the wall for the final 36 minutes. And you do not want to be in that situation where your team is pressing because when you do that, that is when things don't go well. So the Clippers absolutely need to get off to a good start. I'll be curious to see how many minutes Kawhi and PG play tomorrow. Would not be surprised to see both of them touch 42 or more again with Kawhi playing 42 in game six and PG playing 46. Um, those guys need to play well, and somebody, one of the role players, needs to step up for the Clippers. It, it needs to be somebody, and like you said, I mean, they've shot so poorly at home that you would think one of these games, it would go in the Clippers' favor, and we're, I feel like we're owed this, Justin. We're owed this. I mean, the, the Lakers are out. Everyone was talking about how the Clippers shouldn't have gone and lost the final two games. And listen, they shouldn't have. They shouldn't have gone and picked um, that four spot. By the way, Dallas was trying to tank as well. The Clippers were not. I disagree sh- with that, by the way. That Dallas was trying to tank? No, 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 no. I disagree with the notion that the Clippers shouldn't have tanked. Like, mm. it's. I, 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 it's. It's so I'm 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 gonna be I'm gonna try to be concise with this, okay. but it's people are acting like they don't see what's happening in this series. Yeah. Just because the Clippers are getting unlucky with the shooting does not mean that um it was a bad decision for yeah. for us to do this. Yeah. Like the LeBron, like we we made because of our tanking in a lot of ways, we kind of avoided the Lakers and LeBron and Anthony Davis to the conference finals. And lo and behold, they didn't even make it to the conference finals. So imagine if we didn't, and we had to play them in round one, right? That's a series that we could have potentially won, but that's also a series where like, you don't actively try and go play LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just thought that that sound decision making by the Clippers and, um, you know, they ran into a team like the Dallas Mavericks who are just shooting way far above what they did in a regular season. Yeah. And like, that's just bad luck, but like avoiding LeBron James and Anthony Davis to the conference finals is always a smart decision to me. I, I, I just didn't understand that. I just didn't understand understand that about. I, I think the counterpoint to that is that seeing how poorly the Lakers looked that now would be the time where you'd want to face them and that they weren't they were limping into the playoffs so if you're going to face them go ahead I don't know why you're dodging them but th- that's the counterpoint well and, and wait I'll say one well, more thing one more thing before you jump in um okay is that by sitting the stars the final two games it allowed you to play Paul George 46 minutes last night. It allowed you to play Kawhi Leonard 42 minutes last night because they were rested and they got that time off. So there is the counterpoint to the, hey, they shouldn't have sat those guys. It's like, well, because they sat those guys, they were able to play big minutes in the games that were necessary. So that is the, that, that's your side that is a check mark there. So go ahead, though, about the Lakers thing. So if the Lakers are not playing great, 
going into the playoffs, then just let somebody else handle them. Yeah, that's fair. Like, and, and if they are playing great, then you obviously want to wait until you play them in the conference finals. Like, I, I, I just, I never, that's the part that I don't understand. And like, you know, the Clippers are far superior than the Dallas Mavericks. And honestly, the reason why this series is the way it is, is because both teams are having outlier shooting performances through six games. That's just in my personal opinion. Like we can quibble with like a defensive adjustments and yada, yada, yada. But the truth of the matter is Dallas shot the shit out the ball, especially the first couple of games in a way that's rarely been seen in NBA playoff history. Well, the Clippers Clippers didn't expect Steph Curry all of a sudden to put on a Dallas Mavericks jersey. Thank you. I mean, to to your point, I mean, they didn't expect Luka to all of a sudden turn into Steph Curry and for Tim Hardaway Jr. to turn into Klay Thompson. I mean, they, they didn't expect that, to your point. Like, Dallas was a good matchup for the Clippers. It's just that Dallas shot really well. And Rick Carlisle is a really good coach. And I got to tell you, Ty Lu also a very good coach because the adjustments that he has made man. in this series has been unbelievable. If Doc Rivers is coaching this team, they go out in five. But because the Clippers have Ty Lu making these adjustments, I feel confident having him in our corner going into a game seven. So, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll put that stuff aside, whether the Clippers should have or shouldn't have. Um, tank. The the truth of the matter is the Clippers are in a game seven. The Lakers are at home. I would love to see the Clippers <laughs> I like shut. The sound of that. I lo- would love to see the Clippers shut the entire national media up and win this game tomorrow afternoon and go into a matchup with the Utah Jazz. I, I would just love to see it. I hope it happens. Um, it- it's it's due. We're we're due for some good stuff, Justin. I feel like we've had so many letdowns as Clipper fans that we're due for a win like this. We're due for a win like San Antonio, where the Clippers beat the Spurs to go on to the next round. I think we're due. Yeah, I I agree. And like, you know, again, the odds of I, I would be disappointed. It would be a disaster if they lost four home games in one series. And I just don't think the Mavericks are going to shoot this well again. And like, like I said, when it, in terms of margin for error, um, the Dallas Mavericks need so much to go right for them to win. I think in their wins, they're shooting like 46 or something like that from the three point line, just some outrageous number. And I think the fact that it is a game seven, the fact that they are on the road, I think we get a average to below average shooting night from the Dallas Mavericks. And I think that alone puts the Clippers in a driver's seat. We get a typical offensive day or offensive night from the Clippers. And I think put those two things together and we're in Utah Tuesday. Justin, we'll either be talking to you after game three next weekend, or we'll be talking to you after the season obviously is over and we'll do a little post mortem, which hopefully we are not doing. But as always, Justin Wilson at LA Clippers film on Twitter. Thanks again, my dude. Really appreciate you hopping on. Thank you for having me on. It's always a blast to do these. And hopefully the next time I'm on, we're talking about Clippers jazz and not what they need to do in the offseason. So for Justin, I'm Brandon. Appreciate you listening. I'm at BD Marcus on Twitter. At Hoopball Clips is the Twitter handle. You've been listening to the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Until next time, go Clips.
This has been a hoop ball presentation. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.